0: We're talking about Bible intake. I have things, I have handouts for you. Um, for, for somebody. um you can. No, I already have get that. Oh. Get that <clears throat> We're running short on um, people because there is a VBS meeting.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry.
0: Good Samaritan handed us off. Um, Today we're talking about Bible intake in our process of many weeks in the spiritual disciplines. I say many because I have no idea how many it's going to go. But we are going to look at the spiritual discipline of Bible reading and before I got onto economics, I was looking for a quote because it's really helpful, I think, uh, to hear and to understand. Um, um, here, here's two quotes uh, from Don Whitney's uh, "Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life." By the way, great book very helpful and how to live toward godliness. It says no spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's word. Nothing can substitute for it. If you substitute, the question is, is if you, if you substitute something for God's word, which one do you come more like? The substitute or God's word? The substitute, right? Uh, it's whatever you're putting into your system is what you're going to get out. Um, and I I, I, I Find this very cliche, but garbage in, garbage out. It's true. It's true. Um, we've been made to imitate. Imitate what we have taken and took. Uh, and then so his one of his final remarks before he gets to like the the overarching theme of the chapter is if if we would know God and be God godly, we must know the word of God intimately because we cannot become imitators of God without knowing who to imitate. Okay? So you might, be, you might come to your life and say, Who am I imitating right now? That would be a very good question to ask. Am I imitating God or am I imitating my Father? As far as my Father goes, He's great. But He's not the Lord. And for, so His sinful thoughts, his, his faults, all these things cannot be reconciled. Um, as a great thing and so I probably shouldn't imitate my dad as far as um, as far as it could be imitated he could be imitated because he's not Jesus (laughs) I mean it's simple but I should imitate the father who has created all things the one who gives us all things so before we get into bible intake and we start talking about the intricacies of all this I want to hear from you guys Um, first off what do you do for your Bible reading? What do you do for your Bible reading? Um, Go, Steve. One of the problems, I think you talk about not reading the Scripture. sometimes we substitute Christian literature. Yeah, we substitute for, good for things. The Bible because they
1: say, well, you know, I don't understand the Bible really. So, you know, I, I, I'm going to read this. The only trouble with that is, you've got to be really, really careful about where you get the Christian literature,
0: because there's a lot of Christian literature that's just garbage. Yeah. Oh, in, and I'll, I'm going to take this probably a little closer to, there's a lot of Christian literature out there that's garbage that's very true. In fact, uh, the substitution of anything for God's Word is probably going to form you in the image of that person, mm-hmm. including that book that you read and you're like, oh, this is so good, I want this. Um, it, you got to be careful about eating the digested food of someone else. Does that make sense? Like, if you take in digested food from somebody else, you're not getting all the nutrients, number one. Number two, you don't really know what they're... They might be giving you their thought process, but you may not uh, know how they got there. Now, good Bible books, books on the Bible, will tell you how they got there. But even then, they might be completely off, and you wouldn't even know it if you're not reading the Scriptures yourself. So, um, absolutely, Uh, what I was gonna say is an example. I have a book on my shelf, it's called New Hope, Living God's Ways. Sounds like a good book, right? Could be, could be not. What if I told you this was the, the, the title of a study Bible? Do you wanna guess who wrote it? Who wrote this study Bible notes? Joel Osteen. Oh boy. Now, if you come across this book and this Bible and you're like, I need a study Bible. And this is the Bible you pull off. By the way, you can't see it from like, where you sit or come into my office because it's behind me. <laughs> I don't want people to imitate that. <laughs> you know? I don't want them to see that book and go, oh, that's a good book. I want them to see it and go, or if I show it to them and be like, hey, it sounds more like this than like this. There's a big difference between Joel Osteen and what the word says. Mm. You know? Essentially, yeah. he puts the Bible away when he opens his mouth. Uh, and so we got to be careful about how we're ingesting even good study Bibles.
1: But there's a new Bible, I forget the name of it, that was written by a Pentecostal.
0: Yeah, it's called the Passion Translation? The, the Passion yeah. That's not a translation at all. It, well, I, I know, I'm, that's why I mentioned <laughs> yeah. it. It's, it's, it's uh, uh, well, never mind. You know, oh, I mean, I, I could tell you all about it. <laughs> no, Unfortunately, I just, I just
1: found out about it. Not, you know,
0: people people love that book. Love that uh, that um, that book, and because I, I can't call it a Bible, because all he does is inject a bunch of nonsense into the into the scriptures themselves, um, and he claims that this is the true meaning of the Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, and it's like you you can't change what the scripture does say though to fit your worldview. if you do that which he does the entire time uh, if you do that then you are not being faithful to God's word so uh, I want to ask I'm going to ask the question again what does your Bible reading look like what have you found helpful so right now um, uh, you
1: know in school we read that on um, the invitation to the Psalms book and so I've been Starting out, by like my way writing finding like a song with the and so,
0: so reading like randomly, just try to find one and hear somebody else's words, mm. and then I'll go. right now I'm uh, reading through the Pentateuch, so I'm
1: just I'm be I started in Genesis. Nice. So that's what Got past Leviticus. <laughs> I did. I, I read through the whole book and
0: numbers. Hey, I love Leviticus and numbers. They're both some of my favorite books. Period. It's because I and. Because if you don't have Leviticus in Numbers, you don't have who God is and his atoning work, and you don't have who you are in relationship to that atoning work. You just don't have him. You can kind of get there somewhere else, but without those two, the grounds, they form the ground and the foundation for all of the things that are glorious about Christ's atoning work and about our need for a Savior. They're really not that bad. They're really not. You're right. People just get bogged down into, why all these names? What, is, what else? What do you guys do? I try to, like, I make a list of, like, specific things. Even when, like, you, John, and your core are preaching, I do like the same list for, like, sermons I do when I'm reading. It's just, like, what's happening here, basically? Like, what is the author doing? Is there, like, something that if I'm just reading it on the surface I would miss, and I have to read a couple verses back, mm. I'm like, oh. There's, you kind of read and I'm like, read between the lines in a way of like saying like oh jesus went to talk to this guy at this specific time must have been because this guy was like nicodemus he must have been like uh, like just reading it with a little bit more context and seeing it for what it really is um and then of course like specific sins that might be in that passage or like how jesus addresses those things or depending where you're at yeah. Like that. But what what do you do for like your basic Bible reading? Do you have a plan that you follow? Do you just open the scriptures and go, Where am I? Um no normally I just like, oh, I wanna read this book and I have a commentary for it, so I'm gonna read the book and the commentary won't it. Gotcha. Read through the whole book first and then go you know, the commentary. Yeah.
1: What about you guys? I use today in the Word, it's so a little bit of scripture, and then it talks about the, what it says. But I also take a book and study it, and I'm, and I'm in Revelation right now, trying to digest
0: it. Sometimes better not to digest. <laughs> in, in, in that case, I mean, it's, hard to, it's hard to get there.
2: I tend to like right now. I'm working through Genesis. Uh, But I'll spend a while in the Old Testament, and then I'll spend a while, and I mean, I'll do complete books, Yeah. uh, but then I'll I'll go back to the New Testament, and just try to balance between the two. Uh, And just, I'm really looking for God himself as I'm reading, because... And for so many years, I approached the Bible as a list of things to do and not do.
0: Yeah, which, and, which is killer, by the way. Which is killer. They'll kill you.
2: And, uh, and so I, I'm i really trying to see these passages through new eyes mm. and, and look for not only God, is just God, but also where is Christ portrayed
0: yeah. and how? That's a good question to ask. For sure. Yeah, I, um, I, I just to share my own uh, journey through the scriptures and maybe may or may not be helpful for you. Um, first, I, I started with Bible reading plans. The Robert Murray McShane um, Bible reading plan is great. It has four scriptures passages that you read every day, and it covers the Psalms, the Prophets. Um, Pentateuch and New Testament somewhere in the New Testament and you read through the New Testament twice in a year you read through the Old Testament once you read through the Psalms and Proverbs twice so it's a very good Bible reading plan if you, can, if you, if you like Bible reading plans I found myself I couldn't do that uh, because I find myself looking at the checklist and going good I checked off the box uh, but I didn't learn anything uh, and so I've I've kind of transitioned over time into more of a, um, a more regular pattern of I read uh, five psalms a day. If you do the math, you can read through the psalms in a month by doing that, um, including Psalm 119. Uh, that's a much longer reading day, but the uh, psalm psalms uh, five psalms a day gets me through the psalms in a month, and then. I move into reading full books. Uh, and the reason why is if you don't, if you, if you read like Robert Mary, Mary McShane, you're gonna get formed. You're gonna be formed in a, in a whole Bible way, right? Makes sense? It's a good thing. Um, but then if you read like what I'm kind of talking about, kind of what Justin and what Rex have, have expressed, and you're reading straight through the scriptures, the, if, if you read in those chunks, the the actual like narrative of the bible the whole picture of the bible kind of comes together a little better because you see what's happened before and what's happening after and you're doing that um, over a long period of time so for instance because i have the luxury of knowing exactly what the passage that we are going to be preaching or what will be preached in um that's usually where i stay not in the passage itself but in the book for instance, we're in First Corinthians. So when Johnny's preaching, I'm reading First Corinthians. But mostly because, not not so that I can learn something Johnny can't teach me, uh, but because that's where God is forming my heart, and He's forming our hearts collectively. So I'm kind of like staying in First Corinthians. And then oh, when I'm preaching, I'm right now I'm through in Genesis. So guess what I'm reading? Genesis this whole week. Like I'm in Genesis this whole week, and I'm trying not to just write a sermon that's bad (laughs) bad uh, if you're if you're reading just to do this thing that's on the other side of it then you're not going to be formed by it you're going to miss the point um so for instance i've been reading genesis all this week i saw so much that i'm going to have a hard time today being under 50 minutes so don't put a timer on it uh (laughs) i will try to stick to my notes um but that's one of the, the challenges for me personally is like, okay, where, where are we as a collective being formed? And usually it's around the scriptures that are being preached. So we read, for instance, during sermon or by the, not just the sermon, but by the whole of the service, all those scriptures connect. You may not know or exactly see how or why, but they all connect to the passage of scripture. And it's all with the effort to, see, to say, okay, look, God has been speaking. And God is speaking through His entire Word about this thing, um, about these scriptures. And so, that's that's my typical Bible reading. So, if, if Forrest, when Forrest was preaching, guess what? I was reading Psalm thirty-two because I knew where I knew where we were going. Uh, if you ever have a question and you want to do that, uh, then you're going to be formed uh, right now by First Corinthians for the next forty. 30 something weeks now because we've done 40 is a good good round number Mm -hmm. that's a generation right Mm -hmm. Um, so for a generation we're going to read uh first corinthians and so and by the way it'll be good for you to stay in those scriptures and the reason why is so that when johnny is mentioning things he's not just pulling it out of his butt you know he's he's pulling it from the scriptures itself and you'll be able to see those connections You'll be able to see those, those beautiful things that are in the scriptures instead of going, you know, I don't think he got that from the Bible. Well, you know what? He probably did. He probably got it from directly either before or way after. Because 1 Corinthians is a cohesive letter that goes from beginning to end, and it is very helpful to see. The world does not want you to read the Bible that way. They want you to cherry pick it. They want you to read it in a way that does not show the continuity of the scriptures. They want you to see the discontinuity, or what they would say is discontinuity, of the scriptures. So, And the reason why is because it helps their case for you to look at the scriptures in a fragmented fashion. Okay, It does not help you as a Christian to read it like the world would read it. Um, Give you an illustration. My uh, reading... (laughs) My my formation as like in my uh, after high school as far as education kind of went like this. I went to I got out of the military have two degrees from there both of them are useless to me uh, mostly because I'm colorblind. And it was great for being in the in in those settings, uh, but I can't do those jobs outside uh, in the in the real world because colorblindness is a thing and you need it. You need to be able to see color. Um, And so, I made it up for it in those ways, and the military was okay about it, but I cannot be a weatherman and not see the difference between green and orange. You you just can't, if you're reading a radar map, think about it, how much green and orange. Um, So so after that, I got into, um, I came out of the military, went to HCC, was really bored, Um, went to uh, USF right after that, and I was minoring in religion, and religious studies. And so I had the whole the whole gamut of types of teachers. I had everybody from like a really great Baptist minister, minister who, who knew like every biblical language, uh, was one of the three people in the world could read this particular form of Coptic from in Syriac from this like way back. Um, found I was part of the team that found the first synagogue um in the new testament synagogue like super cool guy name's dr strange he's dead now he's with the he's with jesus i had no. that's he was great um the other guy a couple other guys and on the other side is dr schneider dr schneider was a rank atheist yes and he's teaching bible and religion so you have these uh you the way Dr. Strange us, encouraged us to read the scriptures was in a full context. The way that Dr. Schneider said was, see, see, God took his family from Job. And God is unjust, unjust, not to Job, but to his family. And then because he, he goes, and so he goes, so what? He gave him his family back at the end of Job. So what? You restored to him tenfold his riches. What about those people who died? If you know anything about human nature and you're a Christian, you know that they were sinners, right? That they themselves needed reconciliation with God and they don't deserve anything outside of their own condemnation for that sin. But for him, as a rank atheist, this is injustice. But see how easy it is for me to just say, well, this is unjust, you know, because these people died. If you have a short-term understanding of the scriptures in life, then you will inevitably miss the point. And Dr. Schneider repeatedly missed the point. It was a challenging 16 weeks of my life, and I'll never go back. Uh, Not to Dr. Schneider's class. Um, After that, I got into Liberty and then went past Liberty to now I'm in Southern, and I'm almost done. God. Uh, praise the Lord. Anyway, so uh, Bible intake has changed for me the whole time, and I just want I want to point out the point point it out that if you read the scriptures like the world reads the scriptures, you will inevitably be more like the world than the scriptures. If you read the world uh, read the word the scriptures like God tells you to read the scriptures and how He's given it to you, then guess what? It'll be formed in the pattern and the likeness of the Son, because He is the Word. And so why is Bible intake so important? It's because it makes us more like Jesus to read his word. And now I'm going to caveat that with saying if you just merely read his word and don't meditate on it or understand it or in its context, you will become nothing like the Bible. You'll know a lot about it, but you won't become like the Bible, uh, like the word of truth, like God's son. So this week we're going to talk about a couple things and I realize we only have 20 minutes. Um, if you have your uh, I have I have more. We you like um, Bob? Sorry, Bob. Um, we're gonna talk about Bible intake in general for a second and just talk about the importance of Bible intake. I think you guys can kind of get the gist. Um that reading the Bible is so critical to our our life. It's what forms us in the shape and the pattern of Christ himself, just overall. Um, Okay, so this week we're going to talk about particularly point one, and we're going to try and get to point two. (laughs)
2: Because
0: I don't know if I can do that in 15 minutes. And then, uh, so today we're going to talk about hearing and reading from the scriptures, and that that is how that is foundational to the Christian life. First, it is important that we take the Bible, have Bible intake, because God gives us new birth through the scriptures. Okay, apart from the scriptures, you won't know God, and you won't know what he desires from you. The Bible is critical for the Christian life because God's word is the means that God uses to bring about our new birth in Christ Jesus. First Peter 1.23 says it this way. You have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, mm-hmm. right? Through the living and abiding word of God. See, conversion always occurs in conjunction with the truth of the scriptures being read or heard, and then believed. So, not to, not to bag on evangelism, or not to get to evangelism too quickly, but if evangelism, what you call evangelism, is merely testimonial about what God has done in your life, there is nothing about that that is actually evangelistic. Mm. And there, I'm, be, I'm being technical here, so just bear with me. Um, the testi- your testimony is not God's word. That's my point. What changes somebody is God's word and the spirit using God's word, not the imperishable seed of my testimony or the perishable seed of my testimony, but the imperishable living and abiding word of God. Don't hear me. I'm not trying to say don't share your testimony. What I am saying is if it stops there and there is no gospel presentation, there's no gospel truth being given, then you have you you haven't really engaged in evangelism, just more of a mere exchange of ideas. And happenings. So, the gospel means particularly good news, right? Everybody knows what gospel, uh, gospel means. I say everybody, I don't mean that. Uh, we, we as Christians know that the gospel is good news. It's news about what God has done for us in Christ, and we learn that news from the scriptures, right? In other words, Christianity is a revealed religion, A revealed religion. It is not something you can find by yourself. It is not something that you can obtain. God's grace cannot be obtained by your actions. But it must be revealed to you. What God has done and what God is doing, it cannot be um, something that you grasp after uh, yourself. That's why the Bible is often called God's revelation. Not the book of Revelation. That's part of God's revelation. But revelation, as in revealed truth. Uh I want more on that. Uh, there is a, a book called by Kevin DeYoung, who is one of my favorite authors. It's called Taking God at His Word. Why the Bible is knowable, necessary, and enough. And what that means for you and me. It's a simple, simple book uh, about how the, the, the scriptures are sufficient for godliness and for life. Okay, so um, it's a good one to look up. Taking God at His Word. I've got a whole bag behind me. I'm probably not even not even get to half of it. Uh, yeah. So the Bible reveals how God is justly holy, perfect in His holiness, but it is also it also <laughs> reveals something about us. So it's not merely about what who God is, but it, it reveals something about us too. It reveals to us our sinfulness and how we would deserve God's righteous judgment for our rebellion against him. It also teaches us that God is full of mercy and compassion, and we learn that we can do nothing to save ourselves, but that our only hope is to repent and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Christ died for our sins, 1 Corinthians 15, according to the scriptures, right? And after three days, according to the scriptures, he was raised from the dead. The Bible encouraged us, encourages us to come to Jesus in whom we find life, joy, and peace. So do you see how the spiritually lost and listest, listless would we be if God had not revealed himself to us in his word? What would you know of God if you did not have the scriptures? Well,
1: the heavens declare his glories,
0: so. Okay, the heavens declare his glories. It's true. You don't have a full picture. You have what we call nat- natural revelation, or general revelation, and that general revelation or natural revelation is designed to show us God's power, His presence, and His uh, mighty works. So the heavens declare His His the glories of God. Right? And the stars declare His hand. These are these are good things, um, but they are not enough for you to be saved. Does that make sense? So. Th- God's revelation in his word has been given to us so that we might know Jesus, the Savior. Does that make sense? So number one, God gives us new birth through the scriptures. Number two, God sustains us in the Christian life through the scriptures. God sustains us in the Christian life through the scriptures. Somebody wants to um, open up to 1 Peter 2.2 and another in Deuteronomy 8.3. We'll, we'll get to the Deuteronomy passage in a second. But Deuteronomy 8.3. Um, scripture is the means that God uses to sustain and nourish us in our Christian life. If we are void of the Scriptures, we cannot uh, move on in our sanctification. That's, it's that simple. Uh, so 1 Peter 2.2 2 says this. Would you read it for us?
2: Like new more infants long for the pure spiritual
0: milk... That by it you may grow up into salvation. Mm. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Thank you. That is a that's a very powerful word picture, right? If we are not longing for God's word, we will not (coughs) we will not learn to love God in the way that He has deemed us to love Him. We will not grow up into salvation. Now, is he saying that you, um, if you you don't have the word of God, you cannot be, uh, well, say you're saved already, okay? If you don't have the word of God, though, and you're not intaking, what happens to you? You don't grow, That's true. You wither, right? Psalm 1 happens. You're not planted by the streams of living water. You will inevitably become like chaff and Away you'll go in every doctrine. Waves, what was it? You're, so, malnourished. you're malnourished, yes. You, you cannot grow up. The pure spiritual milk that Peter refers to is none other than the Word of God. Just as an infant de- desires the milk necessary for growth, we should depend also and crave God's Word. A scripture, a Christian's spiritual maturity depends on the regular diet of God's Word, and our progress in sanctification depends on our Bible intake. And the analogy of God's word as sustaining food and drink is used over and over and over again in the Bible uh, just to take Jesus. What does he say about himself? I am the bread of life. Can you live without the bread of life? No, you cannot live without the bread of life. Deuteronomy 8.3 says it this way. Does somebody have Deuteronomy 8.3? Rex, go
2: ahead and let you hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know. Mm. Nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know, that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord.
0: Every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Right? You cannot, this scripture is pointing us to the fact that we cannot live or have life outside of the living water, outside of the bread of life himself. Uh, Jesus quotes this passage, does he not, in his temptation. He says, oh, what, is, what, is, um, what does Satan say to Jesus? And he says, Make these, yes, turn these stones into bread. Can you not do that? And he says, he just quotes Deuteronomy 8.3. It says, Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And we can learn from that. If you are striving after something that's not of the Lord or from the Lord, and you can't find it in here, you're probably striving after the wind. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. At that point, you have nothing but wind.
2: It's interesting that the context in Deuteronomy is the people <coughs> not having food. Yeah. And instead of turning to God in humble dependence
0: who gave them manna from heaven.
2: Who gave the manna from heaven, he they turned to him they turned in, in anger and in challenge and in defiance yeah. of who do you think you are, God? You're not providing for our needs.
0: I mean and do you-
2: Satan's tempting Christ kind of in the same way. The exact same way. way. Exactly. Just, hey. You want food, get it for yourself because your father isn't taking
0: care of. Yeah, and, and if you go back to Numbers, if you don't read Numbers, you won't know, uh, but Numbers specifically points out the fact that they say this is worthless food, right? They're, they're so turned against God at this point. Uh, they want the leeks and the garlic that they didn't have in Egypt, right? And they would rather go back to slavery than to be provided for by the manna. And so what does, what does God do? God gives them quail, and they complain. God gives them water from the rock, and they, and they complain. And they don't just complain; they accuse God of not taking care of them. So, in in a lot of ways, Deuteronomy eight three comes, it does come on the back end of this, and it says, "How do you live? You live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, not by any other means." Or this one, an amazing verse from Jeremiah 15 says this, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. That's Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. In the midst of the very tumultuous letter and prophetic writing that Jeremiah is um, uh, conveying for Israel, he says that, look, there is still hope if you look to the Lord who gives you all of his words. He give, the one who gives you his word is the one who will give you joy, is the one who will become the delight of your heart, who the one, because he is the one who has called you by his name. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people. That means that he is going to take care of you. And now in Christ Jesus, those who us who are in Jesus now can do the same thing. We can claim that whole, that he has said, I will be your God and you will be my people in Jesus Christ. And now you too can claim that same thing for yourself. Now, uh, just as we need the regular diet of food to keep us physically healthy, so we should also feed daily on God's word for the sake of our spiritual health. The food we consume with our mouths satisfies us only temporarily. In fact, it goes through us, right? But learning of God and of from his word has eternal value, value right? We, we see how these things, food, I'm going to be hungry here in about, about 30 minutes because I ate at like 6 a.m. this morning. So food only goes so far. You, but the eternal word of God provides eternal satisfaction. Do you have any questions about point one in the importance of Bible intake?
1: But where Joe Osteen says, I have abundant life, where is this abundant life that God promises me?
0: Yeah, what, what kind of abundant life are you talking about? i Yeah, yeah. If it's not in the Word, then you, you don't know where it is. But Where it is. But Joe
1: says Well, I think in comparison, and I think a lot of it is a lot of spiritual and psychological blessings, that those who don't know the Lord must live in a constant state of maybe panic, not knowing what the future holds, where they will be. And that underlying tension that lives within them, down deep, does put its effect on their probably their outlook on life, where a Christian who has uh, has their a security in the word of God and their spiritual rebirth, it, it puts a whole new perspective on what's going on. I, I, I always summarize it by saying, you're not ready to live until you're ready to die. And uh, and with Christians who are ready to die, we really know how to live.
0: Yeah, well, and for- uh, we
1: live the better life yeah. But we don't live the best life, which is to come when Jesus comes
0: to Jesus so. says it very, very succinctly. He says, if you would follow me, take up your cross. Yeah. Right? He's not, he's not, what does take up your cross mean? It means die to yourself well, and live when, to Jesus, live to Christ. We Jesus can't do that. Jesus said, so.
1: take my yoke and my burden is light. You know, we think the burden of being self-disciplined and doing the what Lord wants us to do is onerous and maybe too heavy to deal with, but, you know, as an unsaved man or woman,
0: Always going to be.
1: what are they dealing with and the chaos that is in their life and who is really on their side to circumvent or to prevent or to save in those moments of um, dire distress. So, um, yeah, it may be tough being a Christian, but it's
0: even tougher being unsaved. <laughs> well, that's, that's only if they recognize their, their state. Uh, I, I know a lot of unsaved people are just fine, being just the way they are, right? Living in their, what they would see as uh, uh, fulfilling, self-fulfilling lives. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only the ones who I would say are very close to receiving the scriptures and receiving the Lord. They know they don't have something. There's something. I mean, Tom Brady, and I'll close with this because I can't get to, there's no way I'm going to get to point number two. Tom Brady, who was in a, uh, an interview back in 2000, was, they had won like three Super Bowls in a row, the Patriots. And uh, the I cannot remember the guy who was interviewing him. It was on 60 Minutes or something like that. So whoever was running it at that time, he said, so what is there left to do? In your in your career now, he played. Keep in mind for another thirteen years, fourteen years after. uh, And his answer was, "I don't know." But I feel like this isn't enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. The answer is, that's a good recognition that it's not enough. But if football if football is your savior, Mm. guess what? Football will also not. It can't satisfy you. We see that in Tom Brady repeatedly, right? He won how many Super Bowls? It doesn't matter eternally. He's bored right now, guys. <laughs> he's so bored that he's trying to entertain other things to satisfy him. Um, so I think that's a good start. We got through one point. Yeah, one, one point. Um, so the importance of Bible intake is, are, It can be summarized like this. God gives us new birth through the scriptures. God sustains us in our new birth or in the Christian life through the scriptures. Without those two things, without being born again to a living hope and then being fueled by the scriptures themselves, you, you will not have any idea what's going on in front of you, and you will be consciously anxious and worried and all these things because uh, you are not being, living on the sustaining life that is provided in God's word. With that, let's pray. We're going to be done on time. Father in heaven, we pray that you'd give us hearts that would be shaped and molded by the patterns that are in your word so that we might be and become more like your son. For he is truth, goodness, and beauty itself. Lord, shape us by the pattern of your word through this week through even today, as we hear um, your word preached, your word sung, your word read, your word um, lived out in front of us. Lord, we pray all these things in your son's name, who is powerful to save and more powerful to sustain. Lord, for you are good and glorious in your son's precious name.
2: Amen.